Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and my, as always, co-host, former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. So England have finally been put out of their misery, knocked out of the World Cup after back-to-back defeats to Sri Lanka and India. We'll try and discuss why it's gone so wrong for them in the tournament. We'll hear from Joss Butler on whether he's the right man to lead England forward, and assistant coach Marcus Drascothic defends England's commitment to 50-over cricket. We'll also discuss the news that 29 players have been offered central contracts by the ECB and what that could mean for the future. And we'll round up the best of the other World Cup action. Are South Africa's credentials robust this time around? And we'll hear from Pakistan Director of Cricket and friend of TalkSport 2, Mickey Arthur. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. And Harmi has joined me in India now and had to sit through what was a, another horror show, Harmi. I just uh, failed to put my finger on it and I'm not the only one. But um, my goodness gracious me, the hopes were high when India were restricted to 229 for nine, but it proved to be more than enough. Yeah, a tale of what was predicted before of, of the, the match, you know, 100 runs short. You know, I, I, I said at the start of the game, at the toss, if the pitch is as good as what it looks, we might be looking at 300, 310, 320. So I was about 100 runs out there. And then at, at halfway, I'm sitting going, I think they're 40 short. I didn't think it was as good a pitch. It wasn't the greatest pitch in the world. So after, I mean, India might be 30 or 40 runs short. And to be honest, they had 100 runs in the bank. And I, I, I say this in jest. I, look, England looked as though they wanted to be at home, especially with a bat. And that's not me criticising the players. I just think it's been a huge lack of confidence. There's like a shell shock in, in some of them. There's one or two who... Yeah, look. You look at that eleven. There was there was eight World Cup winners in that eleven um, in 2019, and I think they were at the peak there. And I've said this many times. And I think they've obviously they've gone over the hill, and and then they're now now far away. Whether we see one or two of them never again for for England, um, it's it's difficult to sit here and criticise too much because of what the type of team this team has become. But it's time for a. It's not bleak as in 2015. That's it. We cut off and we start again because we've had a platform to start with. Um, I just think we 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 maybe we are looking at a rebuild and we are looking to start again. 
and it probably has to start next week during the next game because that was woeful with the bats. The ball were excellent, but woeful. Yeah, well, well under par. I get India ball brilliantly in them first 10 overs. Yeah, Bumra was unbelievable. Shami was amazing. But there was no punches thrown back and there was very little resistance. And they delayed the inevitable and managed to last for 34 overs, but um, they went with a whimper and it was sad to see. Well, we're accustomed to captains putting on a brave face and brave voices in um, difficult times such as this. But um, credit to Joss Butler. He is shocked and he sounded shocked. You know, we know a really good team, done a lot of really good things uh, in the recent past in, in white ball cricket, uh, 50 over cricket. And they say get on the plane with, with high hopes and a lot of confidence and uh, belief that you know, we can challenge for the title. Um, so to be sat here now with the three weeks that have been uh, is a shock. It's a shock to everyone. Now walk back in the dressing room after this and look at the players sat there and, and think, you know, how have we found ourselves in this position with the, the talent and the skill that's in the room. But uh, it is the position we're in. It's, it's the reality of, of what's happened over the last three weeks. And that's um, yeah, a huge low point. He's unable to put his finger on the reasons. Uh, it may just be a conflagration of bad moons aligning. Uh, it may just be that everyone's out of form at the right time. But I have to say that there is an element or there was an element of hubris and uh, perhaps overconfidence about England going into the tournament. But, Harmy, they've been bowled out in 22, 33 and 35 overs in successive games. It has been extraordinary. And I, I just think that if you look at the success of the teams who have been scoring 300, it's been cautious, careful up front in that mm. power play. Forget that it's a power play. In fact, the power play, rather than taking advantage of restrictive field settings, has been about keeping wickets intact. And it just seems that England have been out of sync with the other teams who, as I said, have been keeping wickets intact and seeing off the new balls. And that's the biggest surprise, you know, Manners, when you look at Milan at two and Root at three. You know, you look at that and you go, normally in a, in a, in a 50 over or a, the shortest format game, people like me and former players and pundits will have said, Milan at two and Root at three, they're two similar players. We're not going to make the most of the power play. But actually, in this tournament, we probably they were the ideal players to combat what we were, were needing and what we were looking for. Um, and today was another one. Just It was symptomatic of where this team is and where it's at. You're looking at it in 50 overs and you're going, if you put the ego to one side, you park the arrogance that you've got. This team, uh, we only play this way. Yeah, we could uh, flat track bully. We only play this way. This is the way we've been so, so successful. If they parked that ego and left it at the door as they were walking out, every single one of them, they could have gotten 229. 229 was there to be had. wasn't a shocker of a pitch. But unfortunately, that where we play and you know, the moon's, moon's aligning, like you say, it's completely gone from the, the sort of confident, brash, this is how everybody around the world wants to play cricket. Going back into, they've jumped in a time warp and gone back to 1996, 1999. They really have. And, and I, feel, I, feel, I feel awful saying that because of where this team has took cricket in the world and where this team has, what is given to the world stage. But unfortunately, in these six games, they've got a massive game against the Netherlands to even qualify for the next world tournament at 50 over at this minute in time. I'm not saying you wouldn't back on them because you'd back them to beat Netherlands, but 
tell you what, there's some pressure on that game now. Let's just clarify that because uh, the next 50-over global tournament is uh, the Champions Trophy, which has been reintroduced and it's scheduled to be staged in Pakistan in, in 2025. And uh, it's been confirmed that the top eight teams or the top seven, because Pakistan qualify automatically as hosts, will be the teams to compete. I think that's particularly harsh on the likes of West Indies and Ireland, who don't even yeah. get a chance to qualify. And of course, there's always going to be a doubt about whether that tournament will take place in Pakistan and whether India will go there and play. But as things stand at the moment, the Champions Trophies in 2025 in Pakistan and England might not be there. And that's just that's just inconceivable. We can talk about whether Josh Butler's the right man to carry on. He'll be 37 by the time England play the next World Cup in South Africa in 2027. But this is just two years' time. He says that he is the right man uh, to lead England forward. And before we come on to, to the Champions Trophy, let's just hear Butler did confirm that. You're always questioning as captain how you can get the best out of players, how you can get the team moving in the right direction. Um, certainly have a lot of confidence and, and belief in myself as a leader and captain and first and foremost as a player. Um, but if you're asking if I should still be captaining the team, that's, no, that's a question for the guys above me. You're, you're determined in your own mind that you can turn things around with this team and you're the right man to lead England in the future? Yeah. OK, there's Josh Butler, not prepared to throw the towel in, Harmy. Um, he says he's the right man to carry on leading the team. But there's a crisis. There is an absolute crisis at the moment. So what do you do? Start the clear out now or do it gradually and just try and make sure you're actually in Pakistan in two years' time? The answer to Josh, Josh is the right man to take England forward. Whether Matthew Mott's the right coach or not, I'm still to be I'm still to be convinced. But Josh Butler, for me, is the right man to take England forward. I look at the rebuild. There's going to be a massive rebuild. I've mentioned eight players there played in the 2019 World Cup. As you, you look at, I look at the group, and I, 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 you go down the you go down the route. Bestos had a, a poor, poor tournament. He really has, um, by Johnny's standards. He will be looking over his shoulder. We are if we're not in Pakistan in 2025, then you probably are looking at Besto, Milan, Root, Stokes, Moen Ali. Chris Wokes, David Willey, Adil Rashid, Mark Wood. That's 10 out of 11 players probably not going to get to the next World Cup in 2027. And then you look and think, well, if they're not going to get to 2025, if 2025 is off the table and they're not going to get to the 2027 World Cup, is Josh Butler, you know, because he's going to be 37 by then, is he the right man to take England forward? So they're the question marks from for Rob Key and the ECB. I, I think I'd do it gradually. I'd want to try and rebuild with Butler in my unit, and I'm sure we'll come on to central contracts later. Um, so from that that point of view, I think there's one or two will be looking over the shoulders. I don't see Ben Stokes playing any more 50-over cricket after this tournament. I don't see Mo and Ali playing any more 50-over cricket after this tournament. Does Chris Wokes look to concentrate on just playing test match cricket and potentially you know, the franchise route, you know, route around the world? Because... There's been question marks over over Chris. They've given Mark Wood a three-year contract. Where's his body going to be? Do we do England turn around and say, right, we're going to play him in 2020 cricket and in Test match cricket to try and preserve everything we we need to get out of him? So th- them conversations are needed to be had. David Willey hasn't got a contract, so ECB are saying he's not going to be playing 50 over cricket after this tournament. So there's five, possibly six that just needs a refresh going into what is going to be a a nice little series in the Caribbean at the end of the year. Um, and for me, Josh Butler takes that 
text that team and text that team forward. I'm still yet to be convinced about the coach, though, unfortunately. Okay, well, we'll talk about contracts a little bit later on. But final point for this section. Now, Owen Morgan said on Sky TV that he thought something was going on in the change room. Um, The implication being that there was some unhappiness there. That comment was put to Matthew Mott um, in a press conference. And he said, well, I'll have to talk to Owen about that. It's all a bit mysterious, but seeing as you're in the in the mood for, for dealing with uh, controversial subjects, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, my eyebrows raised straight away, but I also thought there must be something in there. There's got to be. Um, we've mentioned on this programme and on following on about the degree of uh, freedom other coaches in that have been successful with England. Brendan McCollum, Trevor Bayless, two coaches where... And they've got the glasses on sitting on the balcony. You've got to poke them to see if they're awake and watching the cricket because, you know, they're so laid back and so relaxed about the way the game's going. This coach seems to, Matthew Mott seems to be a little bit different. I don't want to label, not throwing Matthew Mott under the bus and saying it's all his fault because it's not. You know, these, these players need to own responsibility of the ownership of these performances. But you've got to set an environment and an environment, if it's been different, if it's drastically different, you will see kickbacks especially against senior players. And I've made no secret that my Dunk, my relationship with Duncan Fletcher wasn't the greatest at the end. And then Peter Moores came in, and I think the world of Moorsey as a person, and I think he's an excellent coach. But when he came into the England job, he tried to change things. He tried to put his stamp on it, which was the right thing to do. But unfortunately, the senior players in there weren't ready for that change, didn't understand what or didn't need what Peter Moores was trying to give and whether that whether we're seeing something different, something the same as that is Matthew Mott is trying to either not do or do, which is upset what's gone on in a, in a successful unit. And then you've got senior players rebelling against it going, well, there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't broken. Why are you trying to fix it? And sometimes, and players are stubborn. And when you have a clash like that, you might not feel as though you're not truly at it but it just takes one or two performances and then all of a sudden confidence goes. And when confidence goes, you end up being bottom of the table in a World Cup, having played six games with Afghanistan and the Netherlands above you. So something has got to be going on inside that dressing room. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look back at England's woeful World Cup campaign. There's been a lot of interesting comments. Joe Root took some flack by saying that England's players were struggling to breathe in uh, the heat and, and, and pollution of India. And people said that he didn't say very much about the air quality during the IPL. Um, and then there was uh, his comments about England playing more 50 over cricket. Very, very interesting, Harmy. Um, Marcus Triscothic, however, let's just deal with him. He said that England are still fully committed to 50 over cricket, but it was very difficult to fit it in. Forgive me if I don't want to be blunt here, but we haven't lost faith in what it is. I can't really say too much more. We love playing any form of the cricket, any form of the game that we play. And we were desperate to come here and try and win back-to-back 50 over competitions. So we're still very much focused on all formats of the game. Cricket structure is so busy, right? It's really busy. You've got, you got a plan in test matches, T20s, 50s and what it is. And we're always trying to get the balance right. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Some teams play more 50 overs than others and it just doesn't always match up. So we're still trying to get it right and we're still very focused on playing 50 over World Cups, 50 over cricket. 
Um, it's just when it fits into the schedule. And as we know, the cricket schedule is very busy. That's Marcus Trascothic, um saying that England are committed to uh, 50-over cricket. But yes, I mean, they are the only country in the world with four formats. Um, if you don't include T10 cricket, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many distractions, aren't there? I thought Nasser Hussain was brilliant on Sky when he said that, it, uh, you know, that this, this, all this talk about how much you play and formats, and he said it was absolute nonsense, a complete scapegoat. And he had a real rant and said that, you know, look at all the best players in the world. They're not playing regular 50-over cricket. They're learning their skills in 20-over in cricket because that's what they all play. And, you know, um, we'll talk about South Africa a bit later, but they had this very, very clear game plan that they that this was a 20-over tournament. They just had to get through 30-overs in order to yeah. get there in each game. Yeah. 100% and yeah Nasser's Nasser's right as he as he always is he he is he passionately about and the points he's making is 50 over cricket is played domestically to educate you in the game to get you in a position to learn how to play the game unfortunately for some people who don't get a chance to play on the big stage don't get a chance to play in the uh, international scene it's part of your employment program that you have as a professional cricketer now, going into international cricket, you are an international player. You can play cross formats. You can, if you're playing international cricket, you're good enough to know and read and understand the situation you're in, situation your team's in, and what you need to do to perform and get the best out and play a part of a team. And that's whether you're playing 20 over cricket, 50 over cricket, or red ball five day cricket. And if anybody wants to make an excuse on that, against that, you know, they are supremely talented and, uh, and they're playing so off the cuff that they can they can sustain an international career by playing the way they're playing and feel as though you know, they need to play more 50 over or 20 over or four, five day cricket. So you have to own the fact that we have performed poorly. Trez said what he needed to say, which was right. They are committed. And they have to be. England plays so much cricket over the course of a calendar year. That something has to give. We've said many times, Manners, that we're seeing Joe, we're seeing Joss Butler now, where Joe Root was in the Caribbean when we were commentating on that. He was a shell of himself because his team was struggling because England had you know completely abandoned the Test team and made sure the one day team made the, won the World Cups and we did. And I listened to Joe's comments the other day and felt sorry for him a little bit in a way. I'm not going to defend him because I don't know. I don't know how he got to that position to say what he said. What he said wasn't wasn't right when he said we'll give up the we, we might have to give up the blast to play more fifty over cricket. One thing I will say to listeners listening from home: I have been a senior player in many dressing rooms with England, especially when they're not doing well, and you have to speak to the media. Two thousand six seven in the Ashes, we are we were getting beat three and four and five nil. How many times in practice, Andrew Walpole, the media manager? How many you going to have to go and speak to the media? I can't put a young player in front of this the way we're playing. So you're going to have to go and speak. And you go sitting and you basically ask to answer questions and you're speaking, but you don't really you don't really feel as though the right thing's coming out. You're just trying to troop out party lines. You're not really saying what you you fully mean because the team's under so much pressure. And the only thing I can I can attribute to where to what Joe said in that we should be playing more 50 over cricket and take away some blast games, I think he's just caught up as a senior player having to deal with the media on a bad day when your team is having a shocker in a tournament. 
So I don't think he meant it. I don't think there was any any truth in it. And I think I'm sure at some point he'll roll back on what he was saying. And I just give give listeners a, a, a point that when you're in a struggling environment, as a senior player, you get thrown out to the in front of the media, you get asked loaded questions, and unfortunately, you've got to answer them. But your brain is so scrambled, and you can see that by the way these lot are playing, that you say things, and by the end of it, you might not mean what you said. And unfortunately, it makes a headline. And I think that's what happened when Joe Root spoke to the media during the week. And that wouldn't be the first time. And I th- that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, that, that, that's the problem. I mean, if you're asked about playing conditions and you say, well, it's it's a bit tough to breathe. And then suddenly everybody thinks that's an easy in to have a knock at Joe Root um, for playing in the IPL. You're absolutely right. And, and I think that's exactly what happened. OK, um, England uh, have got three ODIs and uh, five T20s coming up in the Caribbean. And I, I ask about the composition of that squad potentially uh, because, you know, Australia have got this five-match T20 series against India straight after the World Cup, and they have not even given any pretense to the fact that it's an almost completely different squad. Glenn Maxwell's there, uh, and Travis Head is there, but otherwise it, it contains almost none of the the current uh, World Cup squad. So we're just moving further and further inexorably towards countries like England, Australia, and India having separate squads even within the same format yeah and I, I don't have a problem with that I think we we have to try and build the pool of players bigger and better and I think we've got a massive pool of players I really do I've just worked you know on the game with Tom Moody and Tom Moody was was questioning when I said this is the best 15 players there and Tom said well I'm not so sure and he mentioned Phil uh, Phil Salt and, and Will Jacks and two two excellent players, two players of high quality, and now going to get their chance. But I said to Tom, if you're if you're looking to pick Phil Salt at the top of the order, it means you're leaving Johnny Bairstow out. You know, forget what's happening in these six games. Before the six games, you would never have left Johnny Bairstow out over Phil Salt. Will Jacks, you would never have left Moen Ali out in India over Will Jacks. Now it would have took a brave selection panel. It would have took a brave captain and coach to foresee what's happened in this five weeks that England have been in India and go, there's warning signs here. We are, some of our players are going over the top. Some of our players are over the hill. Some of our players probably are, are, are past their best going into this tournament, but do you leave them out? And unfortunately, you can't leave them out for what they've done. And that's why I think we've got to be quick to say it's disappointing. We, 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 can't, be, we can't be too critical of this group because what it's done for English cricket over the and world cricket over the course of the last six or seven years, I think we've got to be thankful for what they've given. And I think we've got to, yeah, it's now going to transition and move on now into the Caribbean. So the likes of the likes of Phil Salt, the likes of Will Jacks that that have just been mentioned there. Sam Curran's out in in the World Cup. He's got a play now. Bryden Cars has got a play now. Gus Atkinson's got a play now, and so has Harry Brook. And all of a sudden now, with them six names. You're, and there's one or two others. You're throwing just a change of dynamic, going in a different direction, trying to keep the mood in a, in a positive frame of mind, the way uh, the brand of cricket we want, want to play and keep playing from what happened before this tournament with the leadership of, of Joss Butler. And then you start planning for the next phase and phase some more of the older guard out while Steve keep trying to win games, picking the best sides, but also understanding that 
you know, there, there are times where we aren't going to get our best team and we still have to find a way of performing while building a bigger pool of, of talent. I should just ask you about India's performance once again, Harmi. Now, obviously, England have lost by 100 runs, exactly 100 runs, and uh, people will say that there's a certain irony in that. But um, do you know what? There were some very, very good deliveries bold, <laughs> and there was some very good batting from Rohit Sharma. It wasn't that England just walked out there uh, as a Sunday league shambles. I mean, <laughs> India were, were very good. And you said last week you couldn't see anybody stopping them winning the title. So, I mean, that's how well they're playing. Yeah, I can't see anybody stopping this this group. And when you think you've got to get, you've got to fight somehow. Is it their strongest squad? Is it the strongest team? Where does Sarasaya fit in if if Hardik Pandya comes back? Because Surya Kumar Yadav, the way he can play, you're going, Oof, which one do you, heads or tails for me, which one do you, do you leave out? Because Hardik has to play because as they get to the knockout phase, they're going to need a sixth bowler. Um, as much as as Kuldeep bowled brilliantly and and, and Jadeja and uh, they, they were fantastic tonight, but for me, take away them first two overs of of Mohammed Siraj, that's as good a power player bowling I have seen in a long, long time. You know the way Jasper Bumrah bowled, he bowled five overs. Mohammed Shami bowled three overs in that power play. That was unplayable. You know the one he got Joe Root with was a beautiful ball, trapping him on the crease and. Yeah, when you when you look at all that, they just put England under so much pressure. But the difference was Robert Sharma, and he was given out as well on the field. And if he was, if that had stayed out, if it had been clipping leg stump, I thought, oh, that's got to be clipping the leg stump. At least this could be a game. And that was England. That was England um, bowling India out for one fifty. Over in on the on the TV, there's a lot of promotions and a lot of packages. And there was an all round package, and. When I got asked who was the all-rounder of the match, and for me it was Jasper Bumrah, because them 16 runs were so valuable. 193 for seven when he walked out to bat, and they get 229, and then he takes three wickets in the in the game. So with all the great all-rounders on show, Jasper Bumrah was in there for his batting and his bowling. They're just a phenomenal side. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Um, next up in part three, we'll discuss the news that the ECB have offered multi-year central contracts for the very first time. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show uh, or you wish to catch up, you can, of course, as always, download the podcast from the following on feed now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Harmi, just before we start uh, talking about uh, the ECB central contracts, 29 players have been offered and accepted various forms of central contracts. I just wanted to ask you one more question about England's approach to this World Cup uh, and about the sense of of hubris. People say that they were arrogant and uh, they expected to be able to play the same way that they did four years ago when they won the title. I I don't think that the the individuals are arrogant. I don't think I'm not talking about puffy chested arrogance um, saying, you know, we're we're the champions and, uh, you know, everyone else is bring it on and and, and we'll be better than them. I just think that the, the question is, have other teams advanced and have strategies changed and has new ball bowling, power play bowling improved um, in the four years since England won the World Cup in 2019, and was due attention paid to the advances that may have been made in the four years between 2019 and this year? I, I, other teams have looked better prepared. Yeah, they have. They have looked better prepared, and I, and I think that's. I think it's a great question, and I also think I don't think that's a negative, a massive negative in England's box column. I think that's a compliment. And England's box column because I think England have moved the goalposts so far in white ball cricket that other teams had to change. What England have possibly done is because they play a lot of cricket across formats, possibly prioritised a lot in different ways, and like you say, not give the fifty over format the care and attention that other other nations have to make sure that they're in a position to win this World Cup. A lot of people have been um, the preparation in England playing, you know, playing New Zealand and playing the games against Ireland, which these are these are contractually obliged fixtures that have to be fulfilled. And possibly you could have had England's air team playing at the same time, while England's World Cup team went off and played seven Mondays in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. Yeah, you, know, you could have done that. But can you imagine the, the imagine the arrogance that would have been thrown at England if they had done that? So I think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I think England had to fill, fulfill their, their contractly obligation fixtures, i.e. New Zealand, which was a good series, which England won. You look where New Zealand are now. I just think England have, have turned up in a tournament where they've just been so below par, individually and collectively, that I don't think even... I, don't, I, I, I can't imagine anybody out there really seeing, after six games, England be bottom of the pile. Yes, possibly struggled. But bottom of the pile, were they arrogant? Were they overconfident? I think when you when you win that much and you're the best players and you move the bar so so much, you have to have confidence. 
you have to have arrogance. But unfortunately, you normally that happens when people have got the games to back up, back it up and, and prove it and go out there and perform. That's what India are doing, unfortunately, for England. There's not enough of them done it in this tournament. If if there has been one or two, it's been a small one or two. Okay, before we talk about uh, the players who have and, and maybe haven't been offered contracts, let's just um, hear some background on the purpose of central contracts from uh, Director of Cricket Rob Key. The main reason really was to try and not just keep control, but we want to make sure we've got our best cricketers just staying with English cricket for as long as possible, really. The game is changing out of sight. You know, since I've started this job, you know, there's new franchise leagues, people are getting paid more for playing franchise cricket than we're paying them. So now the best thing about this, why I think it's taken a lot of work, but the best thing about it really is we know where people stand now. We've got people that we've been wondering, like, are they going to go and take a franchise deal? Are they going to go and take a year-round deal with whoever it is in the IPL? But actually now we start to find out where people stand and it's been great to see the players that have signed the multi-year contracts because not everyone's been offered them like any contract system. That's Rob Key talking about uh, the the thinking behind um, having central contracts in the first place and uh, and certainly multi-year contracts. Now we know that Harry Brook, Joe Root and Mark Wood have have, uh, have accepted three-year contracts. What I find interesting, Homie, is that all the talk has been about the ECB offering these contracts rather than uh, the players who have accepted them. Now, if you're Josh Tung or Gus Atkinson and you're offered a central contract, particularly if you're Gus Atkinson, who wasn't in the Surrey First eleven at the beginning of the summer, then um, you're going to accept a contract with with glee and and open arms. We know that Ben Stokes clearly wasn't offered a one-year contract. He he would have been offered a three-year contract. But he's, or his team, are keeping his options open um, he preferred to to have a, a one-year contract. I wonder whether there were any other players who might have said no to a three-year or two-year contract and, and opted for a, a shorter-term central contract in order to keep their options open. And like as Rob Key said, it's not just about keeping control. And as you and I have said, or I've said in particular over the last two years, you can't really control players. You can make the prospect of playing for your country so attractive that it becomes the preferred option to playing franchise cricket. But you can't control them, can you? No, you can't control them. But what you can do is make sure that the deal is the best deal for you as an organisation. That's all the ECB can control for me. I remember having, I've made no secret that I had this conversation with, you know, with Rob during the selection, selection interview and the selection meeting. And my big thing about central contracts was, Make the deal the best deal possible for the for the ECB and the player within the ECB. And if the player turns it down, there is nothing you can do. You go with what you've got. Then you then you've got a conversation with a captain, with a coach, selection panel to go. He's available. Do we pick him? We're a bit like Trent Bolt. He's available. Do we pick him? The beauty about this whole situation. Now listen to Keezy's interview on Sky. I thought it was brilliant. I thought he spoke. I thought he spoke excellent. And he was openly, he was open, he was honest, and you know he, he give things that he probably didn't need to give. And <laughs> he he said about why they've gone down this route. Try it and the others. The cycle is next year when the the TV deal, and we know where the where the pot of money is, and that's probably why Ben Stokes has gone. I'm staying, and I will be staying, but I'm going to make sure that. The, it's the best deal for me and my family going forward because we are 
quickly moving into the football territory, which is each individual player will be contracted in a different way because of his ability, his future in the game, his longevity in the group, you know, his potential going forward. And I think we're we're getting close to to, to more football style contracts on an individual base. But at this minute in time, he's yet to stem the tide. He had to stop Mark Wood going signing the contract at the IL twenty. He had to stop Jofra Archer potentially going and getting a contract, and Josh Butler going and getting a contract with Mumbai Indians or Rajasthan Royals. So the ECB had to do something to change. And I think what they've done is, I think they've done the best thing for them going forward to stay in the game. And then next year, they'll be in a better position. The only one that has openly and honestly has come out and said he's not signed a three-year and he's only signed a one-year is Ben Stokes. And I don't blame him for that because his contracts with other franchises aren't the same as anybody else. He's Ben Stokes. Yeah, his contract's worth nearly $2 million in, in, in the IPL. So you'd be stupid to not be in a position to have that on the table. So when I look at this, I think it's a good thing for the ECB. Joffre, if Joffre Arch hadn't been playing for the last two years, he would have signed a one-year deal. But he's took the he's took the two-year. I look at some of the deals in the brackets that they're at. No problem. I, I would give him, I would have given Mark Wood a three-year contract because I think Mark Wood can get me to the ashes over here. And that would be his that would probably be his finish. So can I get him in a, in the best position like a race was to play in Australia? And have a and have and, and have his final his final go in five test matches. Bang, there you go. Right, I've got three years to prepare him for that while still winning cricket matches. The same with Joe Root. Harry Brooks, my best player, over the course of the next 10 years, because he's the one that's going to play most for me over the course of 10 years. So I've got no problem with that. The interesting one for me is the two-year deals. You know, you've got the likes of Tong. Adil Rashid. Adil Rashid will get. The problem is, I think you're thinking, right, Ali Rashid will get me to the next ICC Global 50 over in 2020 event. You might not get there if we don't beat the Netherlands, because we might not get to Pakistan. But you've got to, this was, this was, this was done obviously months and months and months ago. So Josh Tung, injury record. Joffre Archer, injury record. Chris Wokes, he's got a two-year contract, slight injury record. Only now, probably going to play at home. Atkinson. Yeah, I, I see the I see the logic and the value in that, even though he has had a, the odd injury. But I think all in all, Carson, another one, hasn't played a lot of cricket, giving him a two-year contract. So I think it's the best thing for English cricket right now. And I think what we'll find is going forward, it's got to have a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of movement. And then once the, the, the TV deal comes next year, then I'm sure Ben Stokes will sign a longer-term contract which will probably be in a better place for him. But if anybody thinks that Ben Stokes is not committed to play for England because he's only signed a one-year, not a three-year, they want the head shaking because he's played on one leg for the last 18 months and he's changed the, the way we, we, we play red ball cricket. I think it was a business decision why he's only signed a one-year contract rather than anything else. And I think in the future, he will come to the party and sign a multi-year deal to finish his days playing for England. Yeah, I just want to confirm that uh, that the comments from Rob Key were, were made to Sky, and we thank them for that. Uh, Hami, I think that uh, the 29-player net may have been spread a little too wide. Uh, you mentioned Chris Wokes, two-year contract. He's, a, he's going to be a home-only player. I think when you get to a certain age, um, let's call it 36, 
or 41 in Jimmy Anderson's case, there are perhaps other ways of, of looking after your senior players, making sure that they feel appreciated and that, and wanted um, without necessarily offering them long-term contracts. Uh, and perhaps that's, that's a, it's a big number, tw- 29 players. And the point is, Harmi, that even if you are on a one or two year contract, you can still say to the ECB, I'd like to play in the Pakistan Super League in August. Yeah. And you can, um, you, you can and, but the ECB have the right to say no. Yeah, but as Rob Key has said himself, that counts negatively. Um, yeah. in the, you know, it counts against them. I mean, if, mm. if, if a player's being very well paid and he says, well, I'm only going to be sitting at home anyway. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to be playing any any cricket. Would you rather have me playing cricket and earning another seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand dollars on top of my central contract? So I, it's a, it's a work in progress, isn't it? I mean, it's not yeah, a perfect it science. No, it's not. But that's what I'm saying. It's the best deal for the for the ECB now. That's the biggest thing. It's a change of the guard. It's moving moving to, towards something which is inevitably coming, and it's also making sure that you have the final say on whether a player goes to the IPL, Pakistan Super League, the Big Bash. Rocky is the most honest and open, transparent person that you'll you'll meet. And he will and he will help and protect the players going forward. And if it's the right deal for, for them going forward, there's no way Rob Key will stop somebody going earning a ridiculous amount of money for, to go and play cricket, the job that you do. But he will also be big enough and strong enough and he's ugly enough to make sure that when the right decision needs to be made for the ECB, he's now in control of it. And I think that's the beauty about these contracts. For me, they've come out at the wrong time. I feel so sorry for David Willey to have to go through the World Cup, knowing that this was on the table. This should have been on the table before the World Cup or it should have been on the table after the World Cup. But I'm sure, I've got no doubt, there will have been a reason for it, a logical reason for it. But it's the start of something that gives you just a little bit more control and builds something. So if you have you know, multi-four, multi-teams going around the world everywhere, you can plan that rather than thinking, right, two test matches in New Zealand, Bangladesh one-day series going on at the same time. Hold on, I can't send the, this team to Bangladesh with these one-day players because the PSL is not at the same time. And if they have an injury two of my players are going to get three times, four times more money to go over there, then I'm, 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 going to be, I'm going to be in limbo. So it gives them control. I thought what he said. And as well, just to clarify and go on to that, the reason why the deals and the brackets that they're in comes down to, the, I think they've got numbers. They've got numbers for, you know, they've got points and systems for the, the number of games played and cross formats on how they play so it's it's like a little algorithm on how the contracts have been awarded. So they see the two-year contract of players playing across more multi-formats rather than your eyes sort of light up and go, well, why is Jack Leach our only spinner in red ball cricket? Why has he only got a one-year contract? Ollie Robinson, a one-year contract. And that's largely down to the fact that the player one format of the game and they're not going to be going off on these franchises. So... I think it's I think it's a good thing for the ECB and it's a start. Okay, thirty seconds. How much difference does it make to the life of a younger player like Bryden Cass, Gus Atkinson, Josh Tung? How much difference does it make having a central contract? Are we talking about 
many thousands of pounds are we talking about security what 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 i mean how you know will there be leaping celebrating opening bottles of champagne that they've got a central contract yeah, or they're probably between 30 and 50 percent more than what they were on at county level in some cases maybe it's double yeah i don't know what the, the, the county contracts are now but it's an awful lot of money one of these central contracts but i think it's the security of knowing the difference between the 80s and i get i get some stake when i give nasser and <laughs> others and nighty and butch and all these lot and caddick and golf of being selfish and they are the one team players and all that that some of us younger ones that come on the next generation had. They didn't have the security of a central contract. I, I only say it in jest. I don't mean Nasser and them are selfish. It's a, it was a, a joke between the, the sort of cross the the players that crossed over. They didn't have central contracts. They were playing for their livelihoods. They were playing for their they were playing for their families. Now when you've got a central contract, that changes because there's a chance you will get more of a game time, even if you don't perform, and you can try and play in a relaxed frame of mind and the best best person you could possibly be. So that's what a central contract makes. means. As a player, I've got a chance to be playing. From a financial point of view, I'm going to get well rewarded. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look back at all the action from the Cricket World Cup. And it's time to talk South Africa, who came into this World Cup less favoured than than ever before in the previous eight World Cups. Uh, but uh, they've made it five wins from six games. They are top of the table on uh, net run rate, or were before India thrashed England. Uh, they won a thriller against Pakistan, which <laughs> which Mickey Arthur said afterwards was uh, the close result the tournament needed to get it kick-started. But, uh, yeah, let's hear from Temba Bavuma, their captain, who said that uh, they were taking inspiration from the performance of the Springboks, of course, who won their fourth World Cup. That's something that we can really, as a Proteus team, we can really take on board and make that a part of our DNA, our makeup as a team. I think all the momentum within the sport was started by the women in, in the start of the year, them getting into the, into the final. And I think it's been a bit of pressure for us as the Proteus to keep that momentum going. Um, I think we're doing well so far. But yeah, we'll take the inspiration and motivation from all those performances um, from our other um, national teams. It was Temba Bavuma talking about uh, another nail-biting win for the Springboks who've won four World Cups. It's all well and good playing with uh, freedom and, and and calling upon the support of the nation when you've already won a World Cup or two or three. Uh, South African cricketers uh, have, have never done that. Uh, but, but Harmi, um, I, I said right from the beginning, as you know, that uh, they had a blueprint which could be devastating uh, and also very fragile. And, and I think we've kind of seen that, you know, <laughs> when it works. We can't see anybody standing in the way. I can see, you know, when it, if it works against India and they've got the, probably the best bowling attack uh, in the world, so it might not. But, yeah, I, it almost blew up against Pakistan for South Africa. Yeah, it did. And we could have a World Cup final with both teams the same, with, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 being number 11s, really. And the, <laughs> the, the top order being the ones that have, have fired and got them there because I can see that being the final. I really can, the way they're where both teams are playing, they've got a blueprint, they've got they've come into tournament play and had a plan in in the tournament time and executed it perfectly. They've got you know, top six that know their roles and understand the the roles within 
phases of the game, first 10, 10 to 40, 40 to 50. They've got that sorted. Um, and in Marco Janssen, they've got somebody who can just marry the two together with a, the bat and with the ball. It, it, for me, they're going to be so unlucky because this could be this could be the best chance <laughs> that South Africa have had to win a tournament. It might not be the best team that South Africa have had in tournaments, no. <laughs> but it could be the best chance they've got to win a tournament. But unfortunately, they've got India standing in their way. And after watching them against England, I, I, I struggle to see how anybody can can beat India. But if India, if they can knock over like England did, yeah, England bowled them out for two twenty nine. If they can knock over the top order, you've seen how fragile India are at the bottom end. But then if you're knocking India over, it means there's something in the wicket. And they've got Jasper Bumrah and Mohamed Shami. Um, and they've got two very, very good spinners. So I can see it being South Africa and India in a, uh, in a knockout final. Unfortunately for South Africa, I think they might just come up short. But at this minute in time, I'll tell you what, there's nobody playing as explosive cricket is what South Africa are playing at this minute in time because I think they've been fortunate. They've been playing on some grounds and some pitches which have been good for belting out of the park in the last 20 overs. Um, and I think India have had their their way on the surfaces that they've been playing on. I'd like to see a 50-50 game on an absolute belter because, yeah, like I say, if you get over, if South Africa can get over the power player, they've got all the tools to, to give... Every, every team in this tournament um, a run for their money. Yeah, I think South Africa have got... Uh, Quinton de Kock has scored 300s um, already. They've got Temba Bavuma, who opens with him, who can play both roles. He can score quickly. He can also absorb balls um, if uh, if there's a danger of losing wickets. He's got Rusty van der Dussen, who I think is a very, very good number three for their blueprint. And then you've got four, five, six uh, in Aidan Markram, Heinrich Klaassen and David Miller who have been devastating and you need to leave them the right number of overs, don't you? I mm. mean, you need to leave them 25 overs, uh, ideally. And uh, so if that works for South Africa, thanks to England and their profligate bowling, um, Marco Janssen now believes that he really is a number seven because he scored 75 not out of 40-odd balls against England. He'd never got a half century before. So, so suddenly um, he's now thinking that he's not batting one or two places too high. Let's talk about Pakistan then. They they've been very up and down, strangely enough, um, in a World Cup. Uh, they blow hot and cold. They always have. Uh, Mickey Arthur, their director of cricket, uh, was talking about um, the blame that has been apportioned to certain individuals for their up and down form. They're going to be blaming everybody. Don't worry. It's just the way of the world. It's uh, it's unfair. It, it's really unfair to start a witch hunt on, certainly on Baba Azam, on Inzi, on, on our coaches, on the management team. What I do know is the boys have tried and the effort of the coaching staff, the effort of the players has been first class. If they would see that the amount of effort that the, that the players and staff put in, they'd be amazed. It's Mickey Arthur talking about uh, Pakistan who still have a mathematical chance. Talking of which, Harmony, England still have a mathematical chance. It may be A statistician told me that if England won their last three games all by 200 runs or in 20 overs and every single other result went their way, they could still finish in fourth place. Statistically, mathematically, and a meteorite might hit Earth 
Oh, meteorite might hit Earth. Why? Do I, do I need to answer that? I spent the first 15 minutes of this show trying to get England to finish eighth, never mind fourth. So, do you know what I mean? So, I'm thinking we've we got to be, we've got a massive game. We get our World Cup final, our ICC trophy final, to beat the Netherlands to get eighth, never mind go and finish in fourth. There's absolutely no chance that England can, we're struggling to get 200, never mind win by 200. So, no. <laughs> Yeah, as much as I'm being sort of very facetious here, there's nothing in me telling me that I'm watching a group of players who can beat Australia, Pakistan and the Netherlands in three games after what I've just witnessed because that game against India, as much as England are as low as they've possibly been for a long, long time, I don't think they could get any lower than where they would be now in that dressing room because that, that was a bombshell, the way they got beat off India today. They got absolutely thumped. Right. Um, Australia have uh, started off with two thumping defeats and uh, have now begun to look very, very much like title mm. contenders. I mean, it looks like they'll be in the semifinals. And um, there, a couple of gambles have, have paid off for them, particularly Travis Head, who spent the first three weeks of the tournament at home, you know, with his feet up while his finger healed, and then came came to India, went straight back into the team and scored a 67-ball 100. Uh, they are looking very, very strong, aren't they? Although they were given a, sh- a real shake-up by New Zealand, who lost by only five runs, chasing 388. Yeah, they do. They look they look strong. I, it, it was one in the last over 19. I, I fancied something special. I was thinking of a, a sort of five wides where Mitchell goes for the, for the, for the big booming big booming Yorker and his angle getting, getting it horribly wrong because he was never going to give Jimmy Neesham some some room. Um, but he, he did, they did give Australia a shot. They're just peaking at the right time, aren't they? They're just peaking at the right time. Warner's, he loves batting in India and Warner's looks as though he's just like the cock. He's, he's, he's just, just peaking just at the right time. Maxwell, you just don't know what's going to happen and you now got heads thrown into the mix. They could have a monumental blow up and get bowled out for 200. They could also go and get 350, 400 because they've got the capabilities. A bit like South Africa, in a short space of time, I actually think it's in the first 20 rather than the last 20 where I think Australia can take the game away from you rather than South Africa doing it in the last 20. But, you know, here's the Woods starting to find his form. Cummins is bowling nicely. Zampa's now landing it in an area where he's given the batsman some uh, some trouble on the front foot around that front pad. The the star if the if the moons weren't aligning for England, <laughs> definitely aligning for Australia. All right, my highlight of the World Cup so far is the Netherlands beating Bangladesh by eighty odd runs. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. A lot of people said that uh, South Africa have got this mind block against uh, the Netherlands, and uh, and that, that was a one off. And um, so uh, for them to 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 defend 220-odd against Bangladesh so emphatically was, I thought, spectacular. Good on the men in orange. That's my highlight so far uh, of the World Cup. But, um, Harmi, just quickly, um, on to uh, other business of the day. England women are to play a one-off test against India in India in December. So fantastic news uh, for them. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, fantastic news. It's just another stepping stone for the women's game to get more and more Exposure, the longer format, more credibility, because I think that's what it it's getting to. Where you know, not just the Ashes is played in the uh, in a Test match. It's gonna it's gonna be the big nations. 
going to be the powerful nations in the women's game that play the test matches. But hopefully this is a, another stepping stone to becoming test series. And I think that's the ultimate goal for, for the women's game, that can they play a two-test series or a three-test series and then you know continue the longer format of the game, which is something which has always been struggled to, to sort of to take to the next step. And uh, Warwickshire have signed George Garton from Sussex on a multi-year white ball deal, which again reminds us of the conversation that we've uh, been having uh, for, for much of the last year and uh, kicked off by the comments from Alex Stewart about uh, players who want to be freelancers, uh, being realistic about their expectations uh, of a home base or a home club. So George Garton will play just white ball cricket for Warwickshire and uh, that leaves him with a lot of free time um, and uh, Warwickshire with considerations as to how much support they give him during that free time when he's not actually playing for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I'm not. It'll be interesting to see how that conversation went. Whether it would be George only wanting a white ball contract to fulfil other obligations and potential franchise contracts that he can get, or whether it was Warwickshire saying, "You know what? We're not sure on your body to give you a three-year all-format contract, which would cost us a lot more money." Because I've got no doubt if George Garton plays and he's fit. He plays, he plays all the formats because he's a quality performer. But whether it's, I'm not sure whether it's George or it's Warwickshire, I'm, I've not read too much into that one. But the one thing Warwickshire have got, if he's fit, George Garton is a, he's an international cricketer um, and he's a, he'd be a good signing for Warwickshire. Okay, finally, Harmi, on to uh, the, the final word. You've been in India for a couple of days now. I've been here for, for almost two weeks. Um, it's always. Uh, a refreshing experience, isn't it? Uh, it's always challenging. It can be arduous. Um, so, what are your what are your first highlights? First highlights will be well. My first highlights are about to come because I'm hopefully going to get more than one and a half hours sleep since I've been in India. Um, but no, my highlights is just seeing the country again. It's I love this place. It's so it's so refreshing. It's so chaotic. It's so sort of hot and hostile when. When you think that the, you know, the, there's there's so much going on, and then when you watch a game like I have done today, sat next to Chetiswar Prajara, one of the, the the greats of the game, to talk to him about the game of cricket, just for watching England, that was a highlight today, just to pick the brains of of somebody who is who has played so brilliantly under so much pressure for 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 India. So I, I mean, I've had a I've had a really good first day in India. Yours? Taking 12 and a half hours uh, to, to travel basically 900 kilometres between destinations with uh, three hours in taxis to and from airports, uh, the congestion, the traffic, the chaos, two flights, a three and a half hour stopover, uh, a small delay. And, um, you know, at, at the, there's your day. You know, you, you <laughs> arrive at 8 p.m. with the taste of breakfast still in your mouth. Uh, but but the difference is from, from 30 years ago, my first trip to India – is that the airports have all been rebuilt, there are lounges now, and you spend the hanging around time in leather chairs uh, and Americanos uh, with air conditioning <laughs> rather than uh, two rupee cups of chai on hard floors with no air conditioning. So um, th you know what? The more things change, Harmi, the more they <laughs> stay the same in India. <laughs> How you come up in the world, my old friend. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, available now via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.